from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Thinking Sideways is not supported by a fleet of puppy supremacists. Instead, it's supported by the generous donations of our listeners on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thinking sideways to learn more. And thanks. Thinking Sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am your host, Joe, joined by my co-hosts... Devin. And... Steve. And this week we're going to talk about a really, really interesting World War II mystery. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff happened around World War II time. Kicking it old school. Yeah. So, our story begins in the year 1941. Germany had overrun much of Europe and was at war with Great Britain, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Or you should know anyway. Uh, Rudolf Hess was the deputy fear of the National Socialist Democratic Workers' Party, a.k.a. the Nazis, uh, at the time. And he was the third most powerful man in Germany after Hitler and Goering. So he was a VIP. On May 10th, 1941, Hess did something kind of strange. He climbed into a Messerschmitt BF-110 fighter bomber. By the way, did I mention that Rudolf Hess knew how to fly? Nope. Not yet, no. but we know now. Yeah, yeah, he knew how to fly. Uh, and he flew to Scotland. His intention, he said, was to negotiate a peace between Britain and Germany. So what the hell was he thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big question. Yeah. Was, was he uh, deranged, as Winston Churchill and Adolf Hitler both said? And also, the general consensus is that Hitler was not aware 
before he left on his flight that he was going to leave and go to England. Which right. is a little strange. Yeah, yeah, and that's the general consensus. But really, uh, is that true? Did Hitler really not know? That his his third in command was going on a little trip? We're going on a little peace mission? A little trippy yeah. poo? Yeah. Can yeah. I briefly ask, maybe you'll talk about it later, why Scotland? Uh, well, there was a guy living in Scotland. Okay, so we'll yeah, get to it. The Duke it. of Hamilton. Got yeah. it. Yeah, who he felt might be sympathetic to his cause. Okay, yeah. so we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we will. Great. And also, Rudolf Hess left us with one last little mystery, which is how did he die? The official story is he committed suicide, but <laughs> but other people think that he was murdered. Yeah, uh, I, I've read up on this, and I can see how they would think that. Oh, uh, yeah. No, a lot, of, a lot of people think he was murdered. Mm -hmm. But uh, Well, let me tell you a little background on Rudolf. Um, he joined the Nazi party in 1920 after hearing Adolf Hitler speak at an event in Munich. Uh, he was member number 16, so he really got in on the ground floor of the whole thing. And that uh, was at the time when Hitler was considered more charismatic and less crazy talk. Yeah. So he was much more of a mo uh, fair motivational speaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I imagine that's how he got a lot of people in the beginning. Yeah. Well, and, and this is post-World War II. And, and with One. Uh, post-World War I. Yeah, exactly. My bad. Uh, <laughs> Post-World War I, and a lot of Germans, of course, you know, they were under the Versailles, Versailles Treaty. The, uh, the terms were quite harsh, and a lot of Germans were very, very angry about the outcome of the war. Yeah. And, and so Hitler tapped into that pretty nicely. Oh, no, he definitely did. Yeah. It turns out it's not so hard for um, crazy people to rally around the guise of mm -hmm. fixing everything. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, Hitler fixed things real good. Well, like I said, the guys. Not. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. guys of it. Yeah. Uh, you guys have, I'm sure, heard of the famous Beer Hall Putsch in uh, 1923 when Hitler and Hess and a bunch of other Nazis went into a German Beer Hall where they were holding a, a Bavarian town meeting, basically tried to start a revolution. This and, and, I have read about this briefly, and it never made sense to me. Like, it no. never seemed how... I never understood why they thought it was a good idea. Me neither. I never, never did either, but... <laughs> Turns out, yeah, it didn't work out so well for him. They wound up Hitler and Hess both went to jail for a while. And uh, it was at that time when that Hitler wrote his magnum opus, Mein Kampf, in jail. And uh, Hess helped him edit it. So he was part of that, too. And at this, this is really when they started becoming, you know, really good friends. Very close, very close relationship between these two. And they always had a very close relationship. I mm -hmm. mean, through the years, not yeah. just at, at this point forward is what I'm getting. Yeah, I think that their time together in jail really kind of cemented the relationship, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hess, as you all know, rose to power along with Hitler. Uh, and Hess is the guy who introduced the concept of Lebensraum to Hitler. He had gotten the idea from one of his university professors at the University of Munich. Uh, and Lebensraum in German means, quote, let's go conquer most of Eastern Europe so we can live there, unquote. <laughs> right. And the the Hitler, direct translation, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what actually does it mean, Joe? It, it means living room. And not, not the, the living room in your house. It's a room to live. Space to uh, live. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, they felt that... Uh, I like yeah. the original translation better. Yeah, I yeah, do. I know. Well, as, as we all know, Hitler really took to the idea. What? Yeah, he did. Uh, in June 1940, Hitler was heard to say that what he wanted most was peace with Britain. And they'd been yeah. at war with Britain for about a year and a half at this point? Would around that be that. about yeah. correct? Yeah, around that. Yeah. Okay. And um, um, he, he said that he felt there really was no need for the two countries to be at war. And besides, I'm sure he had better use for all those military assets that he was throwing at the Brits. Because... Um, in June 1941, of course, Operation Barbarossa got underway. That was the invasion of the Soviet Union. 
But prior to that, they've been sending plane after plane after plane, just bombing the holy crap out of Britain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot of, that's a lot of material. Yeah, which mm -hmm. could be more usefully spent on bombing Russians instead of Brits, you know. Right. In June 1940, when Hitler said that he wanted peace, it looks like uh, Hess started planning his peace initiative about that time. Hmm. Rudolf Hess uh, first learned to fly in the German military near the end of World War I. Uh, and after the war in 1929, he got a private pilot's license, owned several different planes, not all at the same time, I don't think. I don't think he was that wealthy. <laughs> but he got pretty good at flying single-engine planes. In October 1940, he went to the Messerschmitt Aircraft Works in Augsburg, Bavaria. hope I pronounced Augsburg right. And, and he told them that he wanted to start training on the Messerschmitt BF-110, which is a twin-engine airplane with a lot better range than your typical single-engine. And he received instruction on how to fly from a Messerschmitt test pilot, and the company held a plane for his own personal use, which is nice of them. Well, I mean... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Hitler, one of Hitler's best friends, you're not going to be like, mm, Your government no. number three, yeah. guy number three, yeah. No. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They uh, probably didn't make him pay for it either. No, I'm sure they didn't. They probably didn't even make him pay for the gas. Or all the upgrades. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they did upgrade it a bit. They installed a radio compass, uh, long-range drop tanks, which are fuel tanks. Mm. Uh, reportedly modified the oxygen delivery system, though I'm not sure exactly what was done there. That's all I heard. I, I would imagine that if they were extending the range of the plane regarding fuel... They might want to add some oxygen to it. They would probably have upgraded the oxygen system to match it. Probably, yeah. I would guess that as well. It seems like oxygen would be an important component to flight. Right, directly following fuel, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oxygen might be even more important than fuel. You One can have a ton argue. of fuel, and if you can't breathe and black out, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Alternately, if you run out of fuel, you might be able to pilot the plane to a safer landing, Maybe. even if the fuel runs out, as long as you have oxygen. So we're both right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to call this a win-win. Um, <laughs> so where are we at here? May 10th, the day of reckoning at 5.45 p.m., has climbed into his Messerschmitt, took off from the airport at Augsburg, and flew northwest, uh, eventually turned north, hit the, co the coast of the North Sea right around Bremerhaven, Germany. Turned east for a bit to stay out of the range of British radar and then turned north-northwest. At 9 p.m., he turned west-southwest and headed towards the, the northern part of England. So hang on here, Joe, just so people get an idea. He took off, he headed, and he basically did a, kind of a zigzag north is what mm -hmm. he was doing until he got to Scotland, and then he was hanging uh, basically a 180-degree turn, correct? Not a 180, really. Or, it was well, like... It was a zigzag, but yeah, he went west, northwest, and then basically made a 90-degree turn mm -hmm. and headed, what, no, excuse me, he headed north, northwest, and then made a 90-degree turn and mm -hmm. headed west, southwest. Okay. Yeah. So I think part of it is, is he was killing a little bit of time mm -hmm. because he wanted it to be dark when he, when he actually hit England, and so it was dark. He actually did sort of kill some time out at sea, too, waiting for it to get dark, and then flew over the northern part of England um, at about 50 feet of, of altitude. So he was picked up on the radar, and, and some RAF fighters were scrambled to intercept him, but they couldn't find him because you know, well, he was flying the, so low. But the thing that I didn't understand for a long time when I was doing the reading is, if he, why was he killing so much freaking time? Why didn't he just leave later in the day? That would have been a good idea. Well, it turns out he was following a, um, is it the Blitzkrieg? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was following a, a group of planes and tagging along on their navigation to get himself to Britain. Mm -hmm. So he was following a, a suite of bombers that were heading for London that day. Mm -hmm. That's the reason he left when he did, instead of saying, 
why don't I leave like an hour and a half later and then I don't have to dink around in the middle of the ocean flying in circles? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was probably a good idea just for radars as well. Yeah. You know. Although you don't want to be tagging along along with those guys when they actually reach Britain because the RAF is going to be after you. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) A lot of flack in the air at that point. Oh, that too. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, you understand why he didn't like fly just directly to London and then north. He didn't leave them. (laughs) Yeah, that was not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, a little after 10 p.m., he was picked up on radar, as I said, uh, and he flew north into Scotland. He was mostly navigating by landmarks, which would be kind of tricky in the dark. Yeah. And he was having trouble finding his destination, which was a place called Dungable House. And I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. I looked it up on the Internet, and uh, I got three different pronunciation, pronunciations of pronunciations, it. Pronunciations, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, and the reason he was having such a hard time in the dark, though, is because it's wartime. Everybody yeah. was keeping their lights off at night yeah. Yeah, or shuttering their windows. So I there know. was nothing to navigate by. I know. So, well, there's landmarks still. I but, mean, I mean, water, no light mountains. on the ground to say, yeah. oh, this should be X Th- town. This should this be should... this town. Yeah, I know. That it, would be, it was a tricky thing. And, uh, but anyway, the Dungable House is the home of the Duke of Hamilton. It's not that anymore. Now it's like an, an immigrant detention center. Somehow, So somehow the, the Duke of Hamilton lives somewhere else now. Hmm. Uh, the Duke was a friend of Hess's friend, Albrecht Haushofer who had a lot of English contacts. In fact, there were lots of there was lots of contacts between the British aristocracy and a lot of the German aristocracy because they all knew each other. They're aristocracy, you know, mm-hmm. they're all like they're all like kind of family. Uh, Hess thought that Hamilton was would be sympathetic to his peace mission. And again, there's a, there's a little bit of back and forth about exactly why he believed that. I'll talk about that in more detail later. Some people think that perhaps MI6 tricked him into thinking that the, there was a whole bunch of people in Britain that would be really receptive to his peace proposal. So that's one theory that's out there. Well, and then there's also the, what is it, the Anglo-Germanic Society? Was that yeah, what it was called? Yeah, I think it was the Anglo-German Friendship Society. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was uh, I think, also one of the big theories of why he thought he would be uh, sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, the Duke had access to King George VI, and uh, that was a, that'd be a big bonus. And also, best of all, Dungable House had an airstrip because mm-hmm. highly important for Very an airplane. Important. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, the Duke of Hamilton, it turns out, was also an airplane enthusiast like Hess, mm-hmm. so they had something in common there. I, I should also note it was rumored that a number of members of the royal family were pro-German, or at least not in favor of war with Germany. Which really wouldn't be too outlandish when you think that, when you consider that they're actually part German themselves. You know, the House of Windsor, Windsor actually did not begin until like 1917 mm-hmm. when they changed mm-hmm. their name from, um, what was it, the House of Saxe Coburn and Gotha, which doesn't exactly sound British. And, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah um, so they, the name change uh, was due to anti German sentiment in World War I. So, which there was a lot of. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm sure. And so yeah, now, now they're the Windsors. Uh, anyway, back to Rudolf Hess and his plane. He was having trouble finding the Duke's house, uh, so he turned flew west to the Firth of Clyde, where he oriented himself, uh, and then he flew back inland. But by the time he was back in the vicinity of Dungable, he was low on fuel, and he had picked up a little company. Shocking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, an RAF interceptor finally began pursuit of him. And this is I forget the name of the plane. It's an interesting-looking plane. Instead of having um, uh, forward guns in the wings like most fighters you think of having, you know, this one didn't have those, but it had behind the pilot there was a turret with a couple of gun barrels sticking out of it. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't look this plane up. I yeah. Didn't. Yeah. It's a strange little, strange looking little plane. Weird. So yeah. It would almost have been if if I if you were to imagine it being a two seater, the second seat was actually the gun. Yeah, it was actually the, the gunner. Yeah. Weird. Just sitting there in a, in a raised tail, is a raised turret over the over the pilot's seat. Uh, so you know, I mean, handy because you can shoot to your side, I guess. And you just got to be careful not to shoot your wings off or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's <laughs> probably the first thing to cover in training. Yeah. Seems yeah. like day one. Don't mm-hmm. shoot the wing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you'll get a black mark on your record. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. that was at ten thirty at night. You said. Yeah, that was ten thirty at night. Uh, Has decided it was time to bail, so he climbed to six thousand feet and jumped out. And luckily, he had a parachute on. Uh, and he landed about 10 miles northwest of his destination near the, v- the village of Eaglesham, or Eaglesham uh, which is actually pretty close when you consider it was dark and he didn't have much in the way of navigational aids. Yeah, just like yeah. a compass, right? Super yeah, lucky. Compass, yeah. yeah. And that was, uh, so uh, he was seen parachuting in uh, by a local farmer named David McLean. McLean found him on the ground wrestling with his parachute, and he had a very badly wrenched ankle. McLean was armed with a pitchfork and essentially took him, took him prisoner. And how did he see him coming down? That's I, what... I'm not really sure. Maybe there was a moon that night. There, there must have been. If he was navigating yeah. at that time of night by landmark, there must have that been at least a, been, yeah, a half a moon. Bit. There must have been some good moonlight. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I would expect also if you heard a plane above, like, you know, two planes kind of in hot pursuit above you, mm-hmm. you yeah. might look up and then you might see something kind of pop out of one and think, huh. True. Yeah. And I don't know if he was on the ground by the time his plane crashed. His plane crashed very shortly after he bailed out. It was several miles away. Yeah, yeah, but even in the distance, it must have been kind of a big kaboom. Yeah, that that yeah. plane. Have you seen the photos of his plane? It was pretty it messed did, up. It did not yeah. survive that that no. landing. Uh, no, not not so well. Uh, yeah, fun aside about this farmer, he um, he actually went to the where the plane wreckage site was. After after the home guard came and got Hess, took him off his hands, he went over to, to and he found a plane crash site and he hid some parts in the bushes. And then after at, after they'd hauled all the rest of the wreckage away, he went back and got those. And so he had those. He had those around for years. Yeah, and I think he eventually sold them. Oh, his them. trophies. Yeah, yeah. He, he gave one or gave one or two away, and I think some of the other ones, a couple of the other ones, he sold. <laughs> yeah, part of Rudolph Hess's plane. You know, very collectible. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, hobbled back to his cottage. McCain, that's McLean's cottage, and they had a cup of tea. And uh, McLean <laughs> contacted uh, the home guard, who showed up shortly thereafter with some police. Hess was them. operating under a different name at this point, though. Uh, yeah. His, he said his name was Captain Alfred Horn, and then he needed to speak with the Duke of Hamilton. And in another account I, I read, he said he told the home guard guys, "said Tell the Duke of Hamilton that I have arrived." He and if, but he was German, right? So he would have had a relatively thick accent. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he spoke English fluently. He was sure. actually raised in the English section of Alexandria, Egypt. Okay. Uh, so he did speak English. So do you? But do you know about accent? Oh, I just sure mean he had like a, if I'm, you have a German sure accent, accent in you know 1941 in England, I am people are going to be like. Okay, Mr. Horn, uh-huh. I'll get right on that. Yeah. I am absolutely yeah. positive he had a fairly distinct accent. He oh, yeah. is his spe- his English was good to speak. He evidently wasn't that good at interpreting English, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was a difficulty for him for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, you know. Whenever I've tried to tackle a foreign language, I always find understanding it is easier for me than speaking it. That's it's interesting. Really? I have some friends yeah. who are fluent in like. Uh, stupid amount of languages and um, a couple of them have been fluent since birth in both languages Mm -hmm. and for them it is hard to translate because they just think in both languages so it's like a concept and you 
whatever language you're speaking in, they just know the words that they're trying to think, but they have to actually really think about what the word for that in the other language is. Process it. Yeah, they have to actually take a step back and say, okay, but if I were having this conversation in this other language, that lamp would be called that other word, you know. So I... Mm. Yeah. I wonder if there was something like that going on. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyway, that, so there were, there were some communication difficulties mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Back to the home guard. Uh, they took him away to their little HQ. Uh, and according to one source that I, I found, there was actually a reception committee of military intelligence officers waiting at the airstrip of Hamilton's estate. I only heard that in one place, so I'm hmm. not sure if that's true or not. So apparently Hess's capture by the home guard was a little bit of a hitch in their plans. It might be if they had indeed lured him under false pretenses to Britain. Maybe they were planning on just secretly spiriting him away and never telling the public anything. Mm-hmm. But because he got captured by the home guard, it was I hadn't hard thought to about it that in that secret. way. Yeah. yeah, and maybe that they were actually planning on trying to work something out, but that wouldn't necessarily be in popular opinion. So you would kind of want to take it slow. Well, I was, I was actually, as Joe said, that I, I was like, well, maybe they're trying to work something out of him with fists mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. do it completely mm-hmm. under the radar and nobody would ever know where they got there's their a, intelligence. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of reasons that you yeah. would not want to publicize that that guy was in your country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Probably Hitler would have kept it quiet, too. Mm-hmm. Oh. It was embarrassing for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the whole thing could have been kept a secret, except, mm-hmm. oops, he didn't make his target. So, mm. yeah, he got captured. Uh, anyway, supposedly it was this reception committee that caught up with Hess in Home Guard custody, and they persuaded the Home Guard people to finally let him go, and so they uh, took him to Maryhill Barracks near Glasgow, Scotland. And then the Duke of Hamilton did arrive the next day to see Hess, and that's when Hess revealed his true identity and said, I think the words were, quote, I am, I, I am here to save the world. Something, like that. Something, something melodramatic like that. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah, but he he wanted to he wanted to to work out a peace deal. This is the one thing um, I love about Germans they they are so direct. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not going to work up to it. I'm going to save everybody. Yeah. Let me do that mm-hmm. now. Well, I'm not, not really going to save the world, just Germany and England. Yeah. Know, well, that's but, all yeah. the world that he cares about. Pretty much, right? yeah, yeah. One of the concessions that he apparently uh, put forward was that Germany would withdraw from Western Europe, except for parts of France, like Alsace and Lorraine, they were going to keep. Uh, they would allow Britain to keep its overseas possessions. And in return, they wanted a free hand in Eastern Europe and Russia. Uh, they would also try to mediate a settlement between Britain and Italy, um, and also they said that they would buy the full output of Allied war industries production while they were converting back to peacetime uses to help avoid any economic uh, downturn. So I have a lot of problems with this, but I'm going to wait yeah. until we get into the theory section because yeah. there's, there's all kinds of holes in this for me. Yeah, well, well apparently Hess had a, a, full, um, a full-blown peace proposal, uh, which was eventually, I think, presented to Churchill. He met with the Duke of Hamilton. Churchill did, that is. And they met with the War Cabinet, and apparently there was no interest in a peace deal. Uh, they didn't tell Hess, Hess this for a while. Well, I mean, it's not surprising to me that Britain didn't think there was there was any reason for a peace deal, right? I mean, the whole reason that everybody was going to war was like because uh, the Nazis are bad and we don't like what they're doing, right? Well, it wasn't oh, they're coming to get us, so we have to defend ourselves. It was more of a proactive approach. So it makes sense to me that they wouldn't necessarily... I mean, that would... If they did have a peace deal, it would just basically give tacit consent to what was going on in the rest of the world that the Nazis controlled. Exactly, because, I mean, that's why Britain declared wars, because they had had a treaty with... Poland, you know, one defends the other. Well, Poland was invaded. Well, you know, 
they had to come to the, they had to actually do something about it and yeah. so it was like that whole sense of honor but at this mm -hmm. time the war was not really going that great for britain right no yeah no speaking of poland when i was doing the research one of the things that i always am really interested in and this is just a weird thing about me is posters from different eras and one of the ones that was in britain at the time was the polish flag and you know it's in the typical 1940s illustration style it's all torn up and it just says poland first to fight it was mm -hmm. really really it was really well done but it was just so I iconic for the area the era. posters they're mm -hmm. so cool mm -hmm. well some of them some of them are a little offensive though uh, they just oh, like stylistically. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm there, sorry. Nah, nah, there nah, are like some serious some stereotypes, stereotypes going on in some of those old posters. I will agree. Well, yeah. They are very, very brutal. You know, you know who actually produced some interesting World War II propaganda cartoons? Dr. Seuss. Have yeah. you ever yeah. seen any of his uh -huh. cartoons? Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of them are seriously racist. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh a lot of, almost all of it is. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially especially like the one where Uncle Sam is in an alley. He's backed up, and he's got all these, these, these rats that are coming after him, and they all have little Japanese faces on them. Of course they do. <laughs> and it is very, very stereotypical. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, but, but let's get away from that. I have another question, because this is something I've also never understood about Germany, is why didn't they quit when they were ahead? I've never understood, and this is maybe You're just because I haven't. About the invasion of Russia. Well, yeah. Why did they? Why did they decide to do that? Why did they continue to push on into North Africa? I mean, mm -hmm. they had they had essentially rolled through a huge part of Western Europe, and if and they had Europe. just stopped and sat, yeah, that's how countries have been formed for thousands of years. Is we took it over and we just stayed, and eventually everybody went. Okay, well that's yours. We don't like it, but that's yours. Mm -hmm. Why but, did why did the why didn't the Romans stop when they were ahead? Well, I I don't understand I don't... that either. That's why I'm asking. Is I've never understood why they didn't say. Here's a question. We took Europe. Let's Here's just a hold question on to it for, for a you, while. Steve. When you go like gamble, mm -hmm. do you stop when you're ahead? Yeah. Do I, you actually? I try Absolutely. To. I have a system. Do... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Cheating doesn't count as a system. No. I have X amount of money I'm going to gamble, and that money's in one pocket, and mm -hmm. if I win, I put it in another pocket, mm -hmm. and when the the original bank is empty, if there's money left over, I walk out. That's not stopping That's when you go. head, though. Oh, but, but if I win, if I, let's say I'm on a slot machine, yeah. and I hit, and I win 100 bucks on mm -hmm. a nickel slot, mm -hmm. I'll say, all right, well, now my bank, I can't go below, let's say... 80 bucks. Right. So I'm, I'm continually setting a bar that I will not drop below. So I'm always ahead. Right. So I the, do stop when I'm ahead. I think the thought process is that you like, okay, so yeah, they were ahead because they had like a bunch in their winning pocket, right? But they still had money in their other pocket. So it still felt like I'm winning, even though you know, okay, well, if I gamble this like one nickel. Strategically, you know, it, <laughs> The Gambling is not the right is not the right metaphor. Right. It is such a big area that strategically the resources don't make sense to me. It's something that I've never understood. I uh, think I know. think people have a hard time stopping when they're ahead. And that's probably I, it. I mean, Hitler had gone a little cuckoo for I Cocoa Puffs. I also think you get delusional. It could have been that. Yeah, I, it, 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 he definitely did to bite off more than he could chew. Mm -hmm. I mean, he should have looked at the lessons of history. I mean, Napoleon didn't fare that well in Russia either, did he? Nobody no. fares well in Russia. I know. What's that the joke? Russians barely fared well. In no, they didn't do so What's well the either. joke yeah. is like, come to Russia and our country will fight you. Like, yeah. The actual terrain just kills people. Yes. The people yeah. of Russia don't have to do anything. They have. Uh, there is a lot of strategic depth there too. Yeah. I mean, they can oh, afford yeah. to surrender a lot of territory. And just, oh, yeah, you yeah. can continue to just give and give and give. Yeah. And the ground will just eat up the troops that are invading. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I took us way off track. That's yeah, okay. We, yeah, we are way off track. Uh, yeah, well, by the way, so far I haven't mentioned what happened back in Germany when Hitler found out about all this. <laughs> uh, this was the day after. This was May 11th. Uh, Hess had given his adjutant, a guy named Karl Heinz Pinch, uh, a letter to deliver to Hitler the day after Hess left and also to basically tell him what he had done. Mm. So Pinch delivered his report. Uh, apparently Hitler blew his stack. He delivered it directly to Hitler. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, he, and he was rather upset. It's un, it was unfortunate for uh, for Pinch because, uh, you know, it was like, you know, shoot the messenger and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was arrested uh, and, and jailed, and also a lot of other people around Hess were also arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pinch was later released, but then he was sent to the Eastern Front to fight the Russians. And... So he really wasn't released? <laughs> yeah, not yeah. really. Yeah, it was a, basically a big step down for did, him. Do you, is the allegation that Pinch knew what the letter contained? Like, did he know that Hess had I, left? Yeah, yeah, I think that... It wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to bed, give this letter to Hitler tomorrow? Well, I don't think it was just him giving the letter to Hitler. I think he also gave him an oral report, basically saying, okay. and, you know, Hess has gone to... Yeah, I can understand why you would... Uh, you would arrest him then i mean yeah, it's more than just yeah, yeah at that point I mean, right yeah yeah it yeah. totally totally is true okay i just uh, wanted to be clear on that it wasn't just like literally he was like i don't know hess just mm-hmm. gave me this letter to give to you yeah i don't know what's in it yeah okay no, yeah but uh no apparently and besides which even if he hadn't said anything like that i'm sure it would there would have been suspicions yeah yeah, oh, yeah when poor pinch was then captured by the russians oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he was captured by the russians and tortured Tortured, held in captivity for like 10 years or something like Wrote that. Wrote some yeah. crazy 11-page account, uh, like story a tw- or something. Tw- it was a 28-page. Confession. Page, it was a 28-page, I don't know, confession or just telling all he knew or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that was eventually found in the historical archives many, many hmm. years later. Uh, so Hitler said at the, t- at the time that he felt like it was a huge betrayal because Hess was such a good friend. He also said, as I said earlier, that he thought that uh, Hess had just gone over the edge. And again... Winston Churchill agreed with him on that one. They didn't agree on a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, and also Hitler apparently gave orders that Hess was to be shot on sight if he returned to Germany. Well, back to Hess in, in Scotland, uh, he was shuffled around to various places, eventually wound up spending 13 months in a place called Camp Z. He was in the Tower of London for a while. Oh, yeah, before that, yeah. I, was, I, would, I just didn't want to give a laundry list of all the places. No, I just I, to. I When I noticed that, I was like, oh, he's another one of the... Because there was only two Germans that were in the Tower ever, and uh-huh. he was one of them. Yeah, lucky him. Kimsey was a mansion in the town of Mitchett, outside of London, um, kind of southwest of London. Uh, and by the way, I'm sure I'll get at least one email telling me that I'm, it's actually pronounced Mitch or Mitch. Uh, <laughs> or Mitch. Uh, I did look it up in the, uh, on the internet, and supposedly it is pronounced Mitchett, so I hope that's right. Uh, well, yeah, if I'm wrong, let me know. So at this point, Hess really saw himself as a diplomatic emissary, and uh, he demanded to be sent back to Germany. Well, the British didn't Under see asylum. That That's interesting. Yeah. Or no, it's not asylum. What is it called? Uh, like diplomatic immunity Thank or something. You. Mm-hmm. But, yes. you know, it's like yeah. uh, the, the problem was is Hess swore the whole time that Hitler never had any, uh, any clue that he was going to leave and go to Britain. And so because of that, because he, he essentially hadn't really been sent by the German government mm. as, a, as an official emissary, uh, Churchill and the gang felt like, well, we can keep him. That's, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I understand that empirically, but I understand Hess's argument too, right? He's like third in command of the of the German government, so mm-hmm. he sent himself on a mission, and they're saying, no, 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 the German government didn't send you. Yeah. But uh, 
I, I well, the problem is, is that his position was a puppet position. Oh, for sure. He had absolutely no power. He had been progressively pushed farther and farther out of the power structure was, of the yeah. regime right. for years. But you, we yeah. all know that guy, right? The guy who, the Dwight Schrute of of the group, right? Uh-huh. That's you know assistant to the manager and he keeps saying yeah i'm the assistant manager and it's like no 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 you're the assistant to the manager you keep getting pushed out and told no but you think that you are so much more so i can understand his argument it may mean that he went kind of loopy but or it might be overstepped his bounds yeah yeah it might be he thought this was a way to really you know like you know he thought hitler wanted this yeah he did he He thought he was doing a good favor for his good buddy yeah he was extremely loyal to hitler I mean, you know, even though Hitler said he thought this was a betrayal, I don't think Hess saw it that way at all. He was no. trying to do him a favor. It's uh, possible. And, and it's, it's alleged that maybe Hitler didn't think that at first, but I know we're going to mm-hmm. get into all of this stuff. So, I'm, well, yeah, there are there are people who say otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to throw out there that it's also possible that you know Hitler said offhandedly, "Yeah, I, I totally want peace with Britain." And didn't remember it at all. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Hess starts planning and plotting and mm. thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best surprise for Hitler when I'm done. Yeah, he's going to love it. He's going to yeah. love it. Yeah. And Hitler's like, what do you mean I said that? I never yeah. said that. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, you did. Oh, crap. oh yeah. I was joking. Yeah. It's, in, it's in the papers, dude. Remember yeah. that time you bedazzled an entire fighter plane for me and I said I didn't really want that? Same situation. Same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So but anyway, having a hard time. I identify with Hess. I'm sorry. It's because yeah. you like to bedazzle things. Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh-oh. And yeah, steel you know. planes. And history certainly, if Hess had been successful, history would have turned out a little differently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Camp Z. Hess was there for 13 months, as I said. He was, of course, I'm sure, being interrogated. Oh, uh, surely. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he tried to kill himself by throwing himself over a staircase railing because mm. uh, he. Apparently, he was depressed. He was pretty disappointed that his what? peace plan hadn't worked his out. His peace plan didn't work out. He was a prisoner. Yeah. He was like, he couldn't be friends with his friends anymore. Yeah. Probably being tortured. His family, you know, he wasn't going to see his family again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot to be depressed about. Yeah. Uh, and he might have also felt that he had a patriotic duty to kill himself before the British wrung too many secrets out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, he didn't succeed, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, he just broke his leg <laughs> pretty pretty severely, too. He had to be in traction for like 12 weeks. Uh, yeah, that would not be fun. No, no fun. <laughs> no fun yeah. at all. Uh, just I, a note to our listeners, yeah. throwing yourself down a staircase, not the best. Or over a staircase railing, not the best way to do it. No, not a real uh, way to yeah, Well, it's just only two or three steps. You're not going to hurt Reunion. yourself. Yeah, it was, more, it was more than that. You yeah. might twist your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> wrench it severely. Oh, wrench it severely, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, after he recovered from his, from his leg thing, uh, Hess was sent to a military hospital in South Wales. He stayed in this military hospital until the end of the war, and apparently that that was a good place. It was a, it was a, a hospital not only for military members but also, also for POWs, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was a fairly secure place, not like your ordinary hospital. Mm-hmm. It actually required fewer guards than Camp Z did. He tried to kill himself when he was there too, didn't he? He did. He tried to stab himself with a bread knife. The- uh, it didn't work out so well either. Uh, apparently, it so only many took jokes. Two stitches. <laughs> two stitches <laughs> to sew it up. Man, Not, my brother uh, busted open his chin, and it took more than that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a half-hearted attempt. I, I, I don't. I could never stab myself to death. That would be a hard way to. That go. That would be tough. People do it, but oh, it, yeah, it would be hard. I think people. Uh, yeah. You must. You really would want to have to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have some serious resolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as you know, in, in the end, uh, Germany surrendered. You guys did know that, right? What? Yeah. I thought they won. No. no I thought we were speaking the, man German in the high right castle. now. That's not, the, that's, wrong. that's not real life. No. no. Oh. Not real life? It's TV. 
I yeah. might be from an alternate universe, though. You probably are. We've wondered that about yeah. you for a I while. Oh, I'm sorry. Also, it's Bernstein, not Bernstein. Bernstein. After the surrender uh, in October 1945, Hess was sent to Nuremberg to face the International Military Tribunal, a.k.a. the Nuremberg Trials. You've heard of those, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Pretty well known. He was charged with conspiracy to commit crimes, crimes against peace, war crimes, and crimes against humanity. Oh, but, crimes against peace. Yeah, I know. Come on, he was dude. Trying, I know. He was trying to make peace. He was Hello? trying. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, luckily for him, since he sat out most of the war, it was really pretty hard to get convictions on, on the war crimes and crimes against humanity. But he was found guilty of conspiracy and, again, crimes against peace and sentenced to life in prison. Apparently, the, the, the Soviet, uh, Soviet judge in the trial wanted to, to, him to die by hanging. That doesn't They, they had a real thing against him. They really did. It's, really it's did. strange. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, they really didn't like Hess. And uh, anyway, the French judge wanted to give him 20 years in prison, <laughs> which is probably a little more fair. Correct me if I'm uh, wrong, nobody else got life. Um, there were, most, or was it, there was a couple that got life who didn't live very long. Or, there or, were, yeah, there were three that got life of the, of the seven people that were, that were sent to prison. Three of them got life. And then, uh, the other four got uh, 15 or 20 years, depending. I don't remember which ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them got released early. Um, except for Hess. Except for Hess. Yeah. He went to Spandau prison in West Berlin, which was used exclusively for the seven prisoners who were convicted but not put to death. So uh, this this prison was a fairly large one. It has 600 cells. Or I should say it had 600 cells. It's not there anymore. But they only had seven prisoners? But only seven prisoners. Aww. Yeah. They were these former high-ranking Nazis. Uh, it was run by the four powers. Uh, that's the U.S., Britain, France, and the USSR. And they all supplied the guards. And along about 1966, there were only three prisoners left in Spandau. As I said before, it had 600 cells. Hmm. Yeah, you'd be rattling around that place. Mm-hmm. For yeah. days and never yeah. see anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in October 1966, uh, Albert Speer and Baldar von Schurich finished their sentences, and they left. And so from that time on until his death in 1987, Rudolf Hess was the only inmate at Spandau Prison. 21 years. That's a, all by yourself in this prison. And you can't talk to anybody. Uh, he could have very limited visits, visits with his family. Well, but well, I and know, there were guards, and, though, and, right? And there, were, there were guards. He could talk, talk to the guards, but the guards were constantly rotating in and out from mm. different countries and stuff. But I also remember that there was there was sanctions on what he could talk about. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to talk about his peace mission or certain things or, about he what he had done while he was with the Nazi Party. I remember mm. there was. It was just, it was strange to me, the, the clampdown on certain topics. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is true. He was not just allowed to talk freely. Uh, well, I mean, did that not apply to all of the prisoners? You know, I don't know. I just sort of researched this from the Hess point of view. I'm, mm-hmm. sure, I'm sure there were, there were a lot of restrictions on also on their behavior. I mean, but even if, even if it was that way for everybody, it probably didn't end up being as extreme because they had other German prisoners to associate with. So they at least had some some shared common bond, mm-hmm. whereas when it's a set of uh, guards who rotate every year, yeah, mm-hmm. you can't make any personal connections. Nah, not really. I mean, there were a few longer term employees. Like he had a he had a, a, a friendship with the warden at one time. Mm. I'll tell you more about that later. That was interesting. But uh, I imagine it was probably a lonely existence anyway. Yeah. But, and, and even Winston Churchill, who was really no friend of Nazis, once said that he felt that the treatment of Hess was really overly harsh. 
especially considering that he had come to Scotland in good faith to try to broker a peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But and and there was uh, the other three powers had talked about releasing him and and had said they would be willing to do so, but the Soviets always vetoed it. Yes, because again, they just didn't like him that I'm much. I'm guessing it required a majority vote. Yeah, or it required it, a unanimous vote. A I unanimous should say. Unanimous vote. Yeah, and so, and so anyway, that's pretty much the end of it. Uh, he died in 1987 um, by hanging. He hung himself. Although again, that's a mystery. So, but our mystery right now is: Did he go of his own volition, or did Hitler order him to go oh, on to, his peace mission? To the peace mission. Yeah. And there's there's still some debate about that. I mean, generally the historians agree that he just wanted his own, and that Hitler was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, there's some evidence that maybe he didn't just decide to go on his own, or maybe he maybe it was his idea, and Hitler signed off on it. Maybe Hitler ordered him to do it. The, the other thing is, what made them think that this was a good idea? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. yeah. So there are. So theories. we're going to tackle that first, and then we'll tackle the we'll, the death. We'll tackle the mystery of the uh, suicide okay. or murder. Second. Yeah, okay. second. But Got yeah. It. So the theories. Uh, well, he went on his own, and after all, this is what Hess always said, and that's what Hitler said. Uh, and Hitler supposedly did get very furious when he heard about this flight. Doesn't sound like some guy who knew in advance. And plus, the night that Hess landed in Scotland, the Luftwaffe bombed London very heavily. Not really something you're going to do if you're trying to put forward, you know, peace feelers. Well, okay, so I'll play devil's advocate on that. Is that's a great way to distract from your secret peace emissary coming to the country? That's true too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that you're going to assume that the RA, the RAF is going to be kind of tied up with that. They're going to be and really not so busy. interested in this one bogey over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, that's one theory. The other theory is that he went with Hitler's permission. And actually, I, I read an article that was written, I think, in 1943 or 40. I can't remember when, and I forgot the magazine it was published in. But according to this theory... Well, is this the it? one that was in three parts? Yeah. I mean, the article was all continuous in yeah. the format we looked at, but it was broken into three parts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this was... I found this one a bit outlandish. Yeah, I don't I don't know how supported that stuff was. But essentially, the idea was is that... Um, is that he had to have had Hitler's sign off on the whole thing because otherwise, what's the point? He can come before you can you can talk about making all the concessions he wants, but if Hitler doesn't want to do that, well, you know, you're not going to get very far. There was an article about this. Oh, did you want to say something? No, I yeah. was just, I was just agreeing with that. I yeah. mean, I, that does stick out to me as you, uh, it's not as though this is one of those situations where Hess would come back and say, "Listen, the Brits are being really reasonable. You're going to kind of look like an idiot if you don't accept it." Hitler, it would have been really easy for Hitler to say, no, I don't want to do any of that, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, versus going with some of, you know, knowing what Hitler is willing to give. Uh-huh. That makes for a much power, more powerful situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that it increases your odds of success. Because, mm-hmm. um, frankly, yeah. I, Although I, I guess there is something to be said for if he was close enough to Hitler, it wouldn't be very hard for him to say... So what, you know, what's the deal breaker for you? Yeah, you yeah. Know, what, what's, what's important to you to keep and what's, what, what are you willing to give up? Yeah. You know, he could have... Just know, in casual conversation over the year that he was planning his trip, right? Yeah, yeah, you could have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I, I, my, my whole thing with Hitler had to know, because, I mean, Hess is quoted as saying, Hitler is the party and the party is Hitler. Mm-hmm. And other statements that equated to him believing that... that 
the Fuhrer was God, mm-hmm. that he was so powerful and he was had to be followed that I just can't see him suddenly turning away and doing something without the permission well, but he of, didn't his, see of his leader. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to be trampling all over this because I know we have more right. information in this theory, but uh, he didn't see it as treason right he saw it as yeah. a favorite. he saw it like it was a surprise party for hitler yeah but you know? I, but yeah. his but his personality never supported that they called him the brown mouse mm. meaning he was meek, meek. and mild and mm. he was only brown because he was wearing the brown shirt yeah he didn't have any initiative that's why for the three years prior everybody else had been you know jockeying for position and he slowly got pushed out and he was given a made-up honorific title yeah like I, the guy had no gumption of his own yeah no he was yeah. he was definitely not uh not not a hard ass a hard ass like like say hitler or goring or yeah those people not yeah, at all no yeah. he he wanted to serve the fuhrer yeah. he wanted to serve the cause right yeah. that's that's the impression that right, i always but i got. guess my my counter to that is it he thought he was and uh-huh. you know but he i could do... have been completely misdirected i yeah. i'm not disagreeing with that yeah. at all and, and i totally hear what you're saying this is one of those amicable moments <laughs> i totally hear what you're saying that you know but he he wouldn't have had he wouldn't have taken that initiative his character didn't show this right. to me right yeah um but it, it is possible that he went there went, went there entirely on his own and he was just kind of delusional and actually thought he was going to succeed but back to the the Hitler thing, where Hitler mm-hmm. had uh, there is some evidence that Hitler did know well in advance. Uh, has his Rudolf has his son Wolf has, <laughs> yeah. Now wrote a long article about this Great a while back. Name. Yeah, I'm gonna I know. name my Wolf. first child Wolf. I know it's a cool name. Uh, With your last name? No, I wouldn't do it. Well, she'll have a different last name. Nope. We're going to make it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, Wolf Sideways. Yeah. That's a good name for your kid. <laughs> it's hard. Wolf Sideways. That's a hard... Sideways yeah. is a hard name to plan yeah. for. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to, back to Wolf's evidence. Okay. Uh, he says that Hitler and Hess met for four hours on May 10th, just not just, just a few hours before he left to fly to Scotland. And Hess, as, I, as we've said, was pretty much sidelined in German, Germany by now. And he really wasn't involved with the war effort or with foreign affairs. And so I, it, I'm finding it hard to believe Hitler would have carved out four hours for him if it didn't actually involve the war or foreign affairs. Oh, I, I can totally tell you what they were doing. What they they were watching the latest Michael Bay Transformers movie. Because those are four hours long. Oh, that's a good point. Or watching maybe, Lord of the Rings. They were watching The Hobbit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's an easy four-hour time commitment. No, oh, no, wait. Hitler needed some time off. No, no, wait. This mm. was the 1940s. Oh, they didn't have that yet? No. Oh, damn it. Crap. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was right around this time that uh, Tolkien was writing Lord of the Rings, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. yeah, 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 pretty close. Yeah. Oh, anyway, back to back so. To, back okay, to so Hess was involved with foreign affairs in the war. No, he wasn't. Oh. He wasn't. He was involved with more domestic stuff. Oh, I see. That. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Why yeah. would Hitler take w- the time unless it wasn't one of those things? Got yeah. I mean, he's it. busy planning Operation Barbarossa mm-hmm. and and you know the bombing of London and everything yeah. else. And we're saying Hitler didn't have any kind of. Uh, love for friends? Oh no, no. I mean, he did, I'm sure, but I, I'm, I don't know that he would have had four hours to spend with Hess, just hanging out just when to, there was so much going up. on. He's got a lot of work to do, a lot of politicking to do. Yeah, he's... you take twenty minutes and you, you hang out with your buddy and you have a drink. You don't take four hours. Yeah, I get where this is. That's what this yeah. is coming from. Yeah, again, so I see both sides. This on doesn't that. prove anything, but no. it's, but it's interesting and it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the next thing is, as you mentioned, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, Karl Heinz 
Pinch, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. adjutant who delivered the letter to yeah. Hitler, who was captured. They uh, an historian came across uh, what's his name, Matthias O, discovered this document in the Russian state archives, written by Pinch. Uh, it was handwritten, and according to what he said about the encounter with Hitler, Pinch said that, uh, quote, Hitler calmly listened to my report and dismissed me without comment, unquote. Mm. Yeah, uh, Pinch said that Hitler had known about the flight plan uh, for a long time. And so that's that, that was wrote. the impression that he had. Yeah. So when, did, where did the the mad as hell story come from? Uh, you know, it, I I'm thinking that might have been cooked up to reassure the Japanese and the Italians that Hitler wasn't trying to mm. stab him in the back by mm-hmm. making peace with Britain. Okay. And, and I think that's why Hess was loyal to the loyal to the end and always said all along that it was his idea. Mm. Well, his his family also never got any kind of retribution. From, well, the, from the Nazi party. They never yeah, they never yeah. went after him. That's the other thing, is that, yeah, a, a lot of people surrounding Hess, even like his astrologer, you know, and all those people, all, in fact, all kinds of astrologers were rounded up and, and arrested. Um, because that was, Hess was really into that he stuff. He was into astrology and all that stuff. Well, yeah. who isn't? Let's be fair. Yeah, there. I know. I know, I'm reading uh, my signs all the time. Yeah, so all kinds of people uh, suffered retaliation except for Hess's family. Actually, Hitler personally intervened to make sure that nothing happened to them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. hard. Again, you know, it's it's hard if you're really good friends with somebody, you don't necessarily want to see their wife and kids hurt just yeah. because he made a bad choice. But I don't know that Hitler necessarily strikes me as that kind of guy. Yeah. No. no. Again, his character didn't reflect that kind of behavior that yeah. we know of. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. It it could be that it, that just you know pastimes and all that. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look after his his family. Mm-hmm. It might just be that he so so none of this definitively proves anything. Although uh, Pitch's document is is pretty interesting. Well, it they came were, out in uh, they they. Printed that what Der Spiegel? Yeah, that that came out in 2011 in an article in Der Spiegel. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about that magazine. Before, we have, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we have. Okay, yeah. 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 Is, so it was like what his journal or something that they found. Uh, I think it was more on the lines of uh, a confession to the Russians. Mm, like okay. he, yeah. it was. It was they. So the Russians used to like to make people write these long confessions denouncing everything. Yeah, but and, so that's my problem with it. Well, but that's that's it because there if you ever read any of them they're always crazy long. Yeah. And they always have a very set style and certain verbiage in them and it's I believe it's, this falls right into that category. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost as if they told the guy what to write. Yep. You know, they might have. Well, it doesn't it's mean it's the same nothing... set of interrogators using the same book. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everything in there was a lie, but you oh, know. But you base it on the truth. Yeah. Uh, anyway, after the war, some other people gave, you know, talked about various things, and, and there were two other high-ranking Nazi Party members hanging with Hitler at that time when he received the letter in the news that Hess had left to go to Scotland. And they said that Hitler wasn't angry at all. Hitler's valet said after the war that Hitler's behavior at the time indicated to him that he must have known in advance. He, too, said Hitler wasn't upset at all. Was, who did he and, say that to? To, that, that was his valet. He actually, no, but who did the valet say it to? I, I don't know if, if it was a reporter or who he said it to. All, all I read is he, he said that after the war. Mm. Um, the valet did say he was actually afraid to ask Hitler mm. if he had known ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So Understandably. He, so he didn't ask him. But he said his behavior just indicated to him that Hitler was not mad. So here's my other problem with the with this with this theory in particular that Hitler knew mm-hmm. is we talk, I started to talk about this earlier is the concessions of peace mm-hmm. that he was supposedly willing to give. Yeah. 
Germany had just spent the last two years marching south through, uh, is it Norway? And then into France, and they would have kept well, going. Norway is kind of north. No, of not Norway. What's um, what's the other one just north of France? I can't. Uh, oh, Belgium. Thank you, Be- Netherlands yeah. and Belgium. That's yeah. the that's where I got the end. But they had spent two years working their way south through all of that, and they would have kept going into Spain if Franco hadn't been just jerking them around the whole time and saying yes, no, yes, no games. Mm-hmm. But my point is. If they've just spent all that time and effort to secure it, they've wiped out the local governments, they've installed all their own people, why would they then suddenly say, you know, we'll just leave. It's cool. You can have it back. We just wanted to check the place out. Uh That that doesn't make any sense from from a wartime perspective to me. You know, I don't know that they expected to occupy all of France forever. They did intend to to keep Alsace and Lorraine, Mm -hmm. but they were going to withdraw from the rest of it. Uh, so they didn't really need to be running France. I mean, if they could have, if, if they had that, their their chunk of Poland and and other parts of Eastern Europe, that was all they really needed. Well, but they also what they would do though is like in in France, they they moved in and they put in their own people, and then eventually when they took over all of France, it's the. Um, the Vichy government? Yeah, the, Vichy, it, the Vichy government. The Vichy yeah. government. Yeah, yeah. They, those guys were technically still running the country, mm-hmm. but they knew that they had to keep the Germans happy. And this, yeah. the Germans did this. They were like, you can live and do what we say, or we can kill you and put our own people in. Mm-hmm. Which is way easier, yeah. and that's what they did. So why would they do all of that? Though? No, it, it, you know, it might be that this some of this stuff was misreported. It might it might have been basically we're not going to withdraw from Western Europe, but we will leave you alone. Mm-hmm. We'll buy we'll buy your your munitions supply, you know, for for the sake of your economy, and we'll leave your overseas possessions alone, you know, and. Um, so that might have been all the concessions they actually planned to make. I mean, it, you don't plan for the peace to happen, right? You install your government and you say, okay, we're good here, but you know how valuable this is to us and we are so committed to peace that we are willing to give you this thing that obviously we fought a lot for. So you understand how much we're willing to give up for mm. peace. That's how much we want it. Yeah. Right? And if they say no, you've got your thing, you're covered, it's fine. You still have your country there that you've taken over. If they say yes, great. You've got this huge piece of leverage to say, great, you're going to give us pretty much the rest of Europe. Yeah, it's just mm. their, their sunk cost for what they did was so large. I, it's just so much. Actually, it's such a such a thing to walk away from. They uh, they didn't really expend huge resources taking over France. It was actually a pretty quick thing. Well, but then they they spent a bunch of money, you know, bombing Britain and oh, then yeah. defending France. I mean, a lot of munitions. And maybe maybe what I'm responding to is more what happened after that for all everything that that took place. But it just mm. seemed yeah. like it was such a big friggin' investment. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I don't I just don't I don't think so. Okay. I mean, in, uh, in my mind, you know strategically it makes a lot more sense to be willing to give up something that is appears to be very valuable to you that you may or may not actually care about in order to be able to leverage that to get you more things that you actually do care about in the future yeah so i don't know yeah that could be i, I don't know maybe it makes me this, a horrible person versus me. you yeah it does <laughs> i don't know no actually. that means i'm the guy who will never back down nope i made it here you can't come uh, in that's right and i'm the one who will be like oh yeah it totally looks like i care about this jewelry <laughs> yeah you can have it, but I'm going to take your first child. Uh, <laughs> Devin, for everybody who doesn't know, just made the creepiest big <laughs> eye face at me. I'm never having children now. Uh, yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. now. I'm kind of leaning towards Hitler new. 
I, I, yeah. yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I think so. Are there, I mean, are there any other choices? Is it just the two? Kind of those two. That's, that's the question that everybody's been wondering for all these decades. And it, it really is um, a, an historical kind of mystery. And then, uh, of course, my other question was, is how could they have thought this was going to work? How could they have thought this was going to be a, a good idea? And that's what gets us to the whole MI6 angle. Oh, I thought it was because Hitler was a vegetarian. It might have been that too. Yeah, Hess was a vegetarian also. He was uh, he was like really new agey and all that. The, the Nazis, See, the Nazis were all new agey. Eggplants are bad for you. Yeah, they maybe Don't not eat good them. For your See what health. happens. Yeah, but the the theory about MI6 is uh, is that Hitler and the Germans were putting out some feelers towards influential Britishers in the early 1941, 1940, 1941. Uh, regarding peace negotiations, and of course there was the the Anglo-German uh, Friendship Society or whatever that was called. Yeah, great name. Yeah, yeah. Eat rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, and so there were it was just, so this is like aristocracy to aristocracy, you know, talking back and forth. And uh, Germany eventually proposed a meeting on neutral ground, and that was rejected by the British, as the story goes. And so they finally offered to send a delegate to England. And they proposed a guy named Ernst Wilhelm Boll uh, as the delegate, and there was no response from England about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing uh, that's because they were busy dealing with the Luftwaffe? Yeah, that's probably it. Uh, but uh, they were doing a good job of playing it hard to get. Eventually, Hitler, they were getting kind of nervous about this because this was actually kind of important to Hitler, I think, to actually not have that second front with Britain when he mm-hmm. went after the Russians. So Hitler came up with the idea of sending a really big Nazi to England, somebody with a lot of stature, Somebody who's close to Hitler, who could credibly speak for Hitler. And who else would that be? Rudolf Hess. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't really important to the war effort. Mm-hmm. And he was highly yeah. expendable. Yeah. Actually, I mean, all things considered. He yeah. was kind of, yeah. Uh, Obviously, the war continued on without him, without a hitch. Quite mm-hmm. well, yeah, yeah. For he, a number of years, at least. He, he, actually, Hess well, was... Well, some hitches. Uh, yeah. Hess was not really violent. I don't think he was really into the whole war thing. No, he was just supporting the cause. Yeah, I know. But, well, and, and, and uh, you know, the, so the Germany, Germany, in a sense, had a good reason to feel some grievance after the, the way they've been treated after World War One. I'm not saying they were justified in anything. They no, did, but they, but I, I can, I, I can understand remember. why there was a lot of angry Germans after World War One. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What actually was happening is apparently, so the theory goes, and there is a little evidence to support this. We're not going to find out for a little while, but... Uh, they were actually negotiating with the British Secret Service and not members of the royal family or the British aristocracy like they thought they were. Uh, so it was a game. It was a, it was it was a, a ruse. It was a setup, yeah, yeah. It sounds like they just wanted to get their hands on a high-ranking Nazi and just interrogate the heck out of him, which is probably what they did. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, only, the only qualm with the, that I have with this, and it's, it stems back to that friendship society, uh-huh. the things that I have read are that... As soon as war broke out, the friendship society was dissolved. Uh, that's what I heard too. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, uh, we're not friends anymore. Uh-huh. You like blew up my house and stuff. Uh-huh. So no, we're not friends. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously you're not going to be overt, but there were still contacts between the British aristocracy and the German aristocracy. Yeah, when if you have a personal friendship with somebody and they're saying, "Dude, I'm sorry that my." Fuhrer blew your house up. They're not going to be like, yeah, I know you ordered the bombs. You're going to say, oh, thank you. I'm so sorry. You know, it's, it's uh, but also it's underground. You know, it's very easy to, even if it had been totally dissolved, it'd be very easy for a member of MI6 to say, 
oh no no i'm part of this thing i know that you think that we're dissolved but just kidding we're still underground so that's a good point i yeah. hadn't thought about the the clandestine side of right. the society still exists. so that's why you need to meet us in scotland not you know at scotland yard or yeah. london proper or you know anything like that and don't follow the yeah. lutwaffe into yeah, town seriously. yeah you don't want to do that uh let's go <sighs> talk about this so anyway do you guys have any favorite theories there I think uh, we've all agreed. Hitler knew. Hitler didn't know. Hitler they were, knew. They were tricked by MI6. I, I'm thinking he did. I know that Hess just stood by that he did it independently, but I just, I can't buy it. Yeah, I think yeah. Hitler knew, but I also do give some credence. I, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to find out that MI6 had something to do with it, too. Oh, oh yeah. no, the, the Brits did a, pulled off a lot of ingenious plans. They really this would did. have been a good one. They, uh, they did some amazing stuff. In fact, there was another one that I stumbled across. I won't mention it now. In the course of my research of this, that's a, another interesting little mystery. Mm-hmm. But I'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. No, they, yeah. they were really crafty. They were oh, really yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Well, when your back's against the wall, you you do whatever it takes. Yeah. yeah no, they did a great job of yeah. turning all the all the German agents against each mm-hmm. against Germany, too. They but, totally controlled yeah. their entire network in England. I also yeah. think that part of it, though, is that, like we said, I was saying before, is that the one thing I like about the Germans is they're just, it's this, and we're going to here, and how could you think it would be anything else? And, the Brits are like, uh, nobody else thinks that way, dude, but we'll totally use it against you. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Germans in World War II actually did not practice good tradecraft when they were spying. Not nope. at all. Yeah. Oh, anyway, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that they wouldn't have done it unless they received encouragement from Britain, and that, I think, probably came from MI6. Might have come from, say, members of the aristocracy, but I think it probably came from MI6. Possible. Yeah. Well, let's get on to our other mystery, uh, which is how he died. He died in... August 1987 in Spandau Prison. Cause of death was suicide by asphyxiation. Uh, the prison had a, a garden. It had like a courtyard in the middle with a garden in it. It had a small summer house that Hess used as a reading room. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I, know. I mean, it's nice to think, right? You kind of think, well, he was in jail for a really, really long time. And he just had to sit in his cell the whole time. But I guess there was this whole entire complex that he was the only one in. Yeah. So it's nice to know that they gave him a little place where he could read and stuff. I, I think you know, as, as the years went by, they got more relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, at first it was very, very stern, you know, very regimented. You could only be visited for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. a month by anybody. And of course, guards had to be present. And he couldn't talk about a All whole laundry things, list yeah. of topics. And that eventually that got relaxed yeah. somewhat. You would assume. Yeah. Um, oh, but anyway, back to his death, he uh, took an electrical extension cord and wrapped one end around a window latch in the summer house and then the other around his neck, and he hung himself. That doesn't sound pleasant or easy. <sighs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, he was 93 years old. Um, that's... Yeah, oh. he lived to be a ripe old age. That's And that is exactly where the conspiracy comes from, is yeah. why does a man at the age of 93 suddenly decide that he's got to take his own life? I don't life? know if he suddenly I understand decides. it. I totally, I totally get this, and I don't think that this is a conspiracy in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but I know that's where it comes from. Wait, he was super old. Why would he do that at this point? Yeah. Well, he did that. There, there was one thing going on. Uh, his lawyer and his family had been campaigning for a long time for him to get released because everybody else had been released. I mean, uh, and several of them actually uh, were, had life sentences and they were released early. Hess, for everything he did, he did do some bad things, but he wasn't as nearly as monstrous as some of those other guys were. Especially seeing as how he was out of the war for four years. Uh-huh. He couldn't have been involved in all of that other stuff. Oh, yeah. 
but the thing about it is, is every time the issue came up, the Soviets, as I said previously, always vetoed the idea. And they might have still been mad about Barbarossa, and maybe they figured Hess was part of the planning of that. I'm not sure that he was. Probably not. I mean, I know, I know he was aware of it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, awareness is, is not responsibility. Yeah, but the thing about the Soviets, too, is the Russians are still mad at us over World War II. They really are. I mean, you know, we let them bleed for years before we finally did something about it. And they, I think that some of them, at least, don't really like us. You know? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So I, it, I'm not totally surprised that the Soviets had a grudge against him. Uh, but also Spandau was located in West Berlin, which uh, gave the Soviets a really nice opportunity to send spies in for a look-see. Some of those guards maybe weren't just straight-up guards. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of a shame to keep one Explain guy locked up. Explain that to me. Well... West Berlin, and they, they wanted to actually be able to go in and, and look around and gather intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so ha- being, able, have, being able to send your personnel to Spandau... Then oh, in slip... the commute from the border to the prison, they could take a diversion and look around? Is that what you're take getting diversion, at? Look around, maybe maybe uh, pick up stuff from spies, from dead drops, things like that. Okay. You know? Yeah. I under, I When you said that, I took it as something at the prison, which didn't make sense, but that mm. makes a whole lot more sense. I get it now. Yeah, yeah. So they could have, it could have been a, a, totally just for espionage. And it's kind of a shame to keep this one guy locked up for 21 extra years. But, you know. He was a tool at that point. He, yeah. And so that might, that might be one of the reasons why they kept insisting that he not be released. But things began to change in 1987. Mikhail Gorbachev was in power. Relations were thawing out a little bit uh, between the East and the West. And the Soviets began to express a bit more, um, I guess, receptivity to the idea of letting Hess go. And there was a report published, again, in Der Spiegel in April 1987 that said Gorbachev was now taking the view that releasing Hess would be seen worldwide as a, quote, gesture of humanity, unquote. Now, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that that, re- that remark was uh, read by everybody in the British, French, and American intelligence services. Um, and some people believe this might have set off alarm bells in the British Secret Service. Mm. Yeah. Why? Why? Well, we'll get to that in a sec. Okay. But from Hess's point of view, if Russia is finally going to agree to let you go, he might have actually been just a few weeks or months from freedom. Mm-hmm. And even though he didn't have a hell of a lot longer to live, you know, if you've been locked up all those years, wouldn't getting out at least and being free to look around and, and take in the world and, and you know all that stuff, wouldn't that be a worthwhile thing? Do you think he knew, though? What, that he was going to get out? That it was possible that he was going to get out? Or, well, I mean, uh, would that necessarily have been communicated to him? Is there any proof that it was communicated to him? Um, I, he did get to read the papers and stuff, but I don't know if the, the stuff that was about him or... I mean, they if did censor been, They his, probably censored the hell out of the papers. Yeah, so he might not have found out, but he was... By this time, he for years, he didn't have any, any visits from his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he started having regular visits from his family, so I'm... Guessing that so sometime, you think it's reasonable to assume that he did know. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that okay. sometime between April and August, he probably had at least one visit from his lawyer and his family, and okay. they probably and they probably, and they probably said something. Like, hey, good news, he might be getting out. Okay. And even a month of freedom after forty years of prison, yeah, would be the best month ever. Even if all you could do was get pushed around in a wheelchair by your family, at least uh-huh. you're with your family and not in that freaking prison anymore. Yeah, I don't, know. don't you think? 
I don't know. You think there's the fear of being released? Because that's, uh-huh. that's a common thing. I think there's a little bit of the fear of being released. There's a bit of the fear of perception, not knowing how people will react to you, to going to yeah. going home to a place where people think that you are a traitor. You're a monster. That you're a monster. Mm. Being labeled as a Nazi who you know committed crimes against humanity, whether you were convicted of that or not. I mean, I think there's a lot of things. It's. I mean, I guess it's possible... I guess this this would be for the he committed suicide argument that mm-hmm. not only is there the he lost the will to live, it's also it does coincide with the fact that he might have the possibility of getting out and that could be a really, really scary thing to him. He could have just decided, no, mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go. I don't go. want to. Yeah. And there's no way to keep yourself, right? You can't just be like, ah, I'm mm-hmm. just going to stay in jail. Thanks, though. I'm <laughs> going to hold on to the bars and you can't drag me out. Yeah, you can't say that. Because that works so well for not going in. So that, I yeah. mean, I guess that could have been a thing. No, it, it is yeah. possible. I mean, people do lose the will to live, you know, and especially he was pretty feeble by this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he just decided to just, uh, and he had committed or attempted suicide mm-hmm. in the past. When he yeah. was younger. Yeah, and so and uh, so maybe he just felt like, even if I get out now, what kind of a life am I going to have? I can't, I can barely even walk. You know, because he was very, very frail at that yeah. point. Oh yeah, I mean, he, he was would very be, weak. right? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, again, I think there is something to be said for saying he doesn't know what he's coming to. You know, mm. he he probably thinks he's labeled as a traitor. He's gonna have a villain's welcome. He uh, never, nobody's gonna love him. He's gonna not. be hated. I mean, I, I mean, I agree. Probably that wouldn't be the reception. Probably somebody would say, "Oh, look, an old man." I, right? They wouldn't say, "Oh, that's Rudolf Hess. He's the one who." Because there also really wasn't very much love for the Nazi Party at that point in Germany. No, but, anyway, but I don't know. I guess. Well, there were a lot of. A lot I can of, understand. Yeah, oh, yeah that but, fear. Uh, well, yeah, there's that. I think that I, I think that the positives outweighed the negatives. It's also possible maybe it's, maybe he didn't know because the the family wasn't necessarily allowed to talk about just anything with him. Yeah, that's true. And again, there, there was there were definitely restrictions. Uh, well, back to the murder theory though. Uh, Wolf Hess, who I've mentioned before, who his Devin son. Is, De- who, yeah, his son, who Devin is going to name her a child for. Yep. Yeah, um, he laid out some reasons for suspicion. Uh, number one, he did say at his last visit with his father that Hess was so weak and frail that he couldn't walk without a cane on one side and a guard on the other side supporting him. So how could he have managed to actually hang himself? Mm, I mean, like I guess it. it's not, it's, you step off a thing. Yeah. It that is, sounds morbid and horrible. But I know, I, I, but I've had the very, I thought about the same thing is that it doesn't you take a sit lot there of and you toss the cord till it gets up there and you tie a knot and you just pull it down and then you tie a thing and you, I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's completely possible to do with very little effort. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! It's, it's, it's not I as th- if he climbed a ten foot spire and then leapt off of it. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's probably is it is possible. Mm-hmm. That's just what he says. He's, he that's why he thinks he didn't commit suicide. Uh, but the family also got the body after this, and they had a second autopsy done. And there, the, the report from this one noted ligature marks around the neck that were horizontal across the neck, which is like more consistent with being throttled by somebody than hanging. Mm. Because obviously they're going to go like across and then up past your jaw and your ears and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And yeah, so it looks like somebody might have actually choked him to death. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And there were supposedly two strangers in American uniforms that were present at the side of Hess's hanging. 
there was a Tunisian medical orderly named Abdullah. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, we'll go with that. Yeah, okay, Abdullah. We'll just call him Abdullah. Uh, he worked at Spandau for, he'd been working there for, I don't know, seven or eight years looking after Hess. Abdullah wrote in an affidavit that, quote, when I arrived at the garden summer house, I found the scene looking as though a wrestling match had taken place. Ellipse, ellipse. The ground was churned up, and the chair in which Hess usually sat on the ground, or sat lay on the ground a considerable distance from its usual location, unquote. And then he noted those two strangers, and he said that that was unusual because contact with Hess was strictly forbidden. If you're one of the guards, that's one thing, but unless you have a reason to be in contact with Hess, mm-hmm. no, no, a big no-no. And uh, so it was strange that those two were there. I'll wait. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Uh, at this time, August 87, uh, the U.S. guards were in charge of the pr- in, in the prison. Again, it varied from French, U.S., British, Russian. I guess it's the theory of Wolf Hess, because Wolf Hess believes that it was the British Secret Service that murdered his dad. And I guess his theory is that it wouldn't stink quite so bad if Hess had died while the Americans were in charge of guarding him, whether that's true or not. And, that, and so he believes that uh, those two strangers were actually British SAS. Why, would, why, would, why did the Brits... Mm-hmm. Knock him off. That's this is the thing that I, this is my yeah. biggest problem with. This. I don't understand why they would do it. Particularly yeah. because weren't the Brits one of the ones that said no, let him go. Yeah, yeah. it was only the Soviets who wouldn't who would not agree to. His Although release. I guess on the other hand, the Brits may have been saying yeah, let him go, so we can murder him in his own home. <laughs> or they might have. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, well, a little duplicity. Yeah. Well, it was a safe bet for them. They could easily play the play the good cop and say, yeah, knowing that the Soviets are always going to veto it, there's no harm in saying, hey, yeah, we're we're open to that. Yeah. 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 It might have changed if the Soviets and and, mm. and so since we did have that change in in the, the sort of Soviet posture. Well, what's and, the policy? Here's a question: What's the policy of torture for prisoners of war at that time in the in World War Two? Torture? Yeah, I believe it was not sanctioned. Yeah, there's the it's Geneva the Geneva, Geneva right. conventions. Yeah. So so the I guess the that could be not to jump ahead or anything, but that could be a reason that the Brits would want to murder Hess. Is if they thought if they were scared that he might come out with his story of what they did to him. Oh, so for four, yeah. you're for saying four that for, for four years he was waterboarded mm-hmm. or something, uh-huh. something you know, yeah. and, and tortured brutally. Right, uh, that might be. I don't and know. And they were trying to keep him quiet, but I, but uh, you know, on the flip side, at 93, probably if he was going to say something, he would have said something, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that, yeah, they wanted to keep him under their control, so, but the question is, is what was it that, what was the big secret he was sitting on? Yeah. So he couldn't talk about the war or the peace mission that he went on. Uh, Everything was carefully supervised. Uh, The theory is that, one theory is that Winston Churchill kept the war going with Germany when it wasn't necessary, Mm. and a lot of, a lot of people died, and so that was, that would have been like a a huge scandal. That's one of, that's one of the things that Wolf Hess thinks. I, I think there might be another reason. Uh, that's uh, a, I mean, that's but, a good, yeah, that that would upset a lot of people. You would want to keep... Although it's kind of ancient mouth. history by this point in time, by 1987. Oh, well, yeah. You know. Right, because when did Churchill die? Oh, God, was it 80s? I don't remember. It was before 87, though, right? Uh, I think so, He would have yeah. been dead by then, so it wouldn't have really... Although you don't want to sully the, you don't the sully memory of... No, I've actually just started a search for a good Churchill book, because I want to read up on him more, because I don't... He was really weird and interesting. Weird. That guy was uh, intriguing. He, he was. was uh, he was amazing, actually. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a uh, quirky little guy, but yeah. there was some serious brain power going yeah. there. Oh yeah. He well, was... I, I guess that, you know, if if there was a revelation like that, there would be some serious precedent for reparations, right, to families. 
Uh, it would at yes least no. make the Brits look not super great. Well, yes and no. I mean, because here's the here's the deal: is that like, it would have saved some British lives, but same time, is it really a great idea to allow the Nazis to consolidate power on the continent? Right. No. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, you might have peace now, but that doesn't mean they're not going to mm-hmm. come after you later. But as so I was, was saying, it gives it just gives that tacit consent. Yeah, that's yeah. probably everything that they're doing. You take a break, you recover, and then you go after it some yeah. more. But yeah. here's here's my thing. Here's my issue with the scene of his suicide. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's stop. I know we're, I want to circle back to okay. that for a second. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, the description of the scene is that uh, it looked like a wrestling match had happened. The ground is churned up and the chair is knocked over and far away. Well, there's a couple of things that can, that can explain this. It could have been that somebody ran in seeing him hanging there and flung the furniture out of the way to try to get to him to keep him from hanging, from dying. Yeah. It's also entirely possible. I don't, I've never seen an image of this room, and we never will because the place has been destroyed. Yeah. That this hook and where he was at, he may not have been truly hanging. There are examples of he, people. I don't think he was truly hanging. I don't think so. It yeah. could have been that he was. You know, just a little bit at an incline. And so when he was in the death throes, his feet are going. They're churning up the dirt around him. He's flopping around. That's going to give that false impression of a struggle between Mm -hmm. multiple people when really it's his body in the the death spasms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too, is that um, if these were two actual two British SAS guys, they would be in really fit shape. Mm -hmm. And two guys against one very frail 93-year-old man. There's not going to be a huge death struggle, probably. Yeah, so, well, he, he, yeah, he probably didn't have, yeah. you know, his, his Nazi jujitsu skills no. anymore. And yeah. it, I mean, it, frankly, it could have been as simple as he missed a couple times with the power cord, mm-hmm. right? You know, you've got the heavier end on the power cord, you kind of toss it up and it falls. Mm. And then you drag it back and you toss it up and it falls. And, and he's it's walking a back and forth up. and stumbling. You and, know, it's... Yeah, I mean, there's a million ways yeah, of that. So I, that's why I, I look at this. <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't sound nefarious to me at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not very, necessarily. Yeah. Very few things sound nefarious to you, Steve. Yeah. That's it's true. What I know. Well, just let I am Captain Rational. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, there, there are some other interesting little tidbits, though, here. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Eugene Byrd, he was commandant at Spandau Prison from 1964 to 71. Well, okay. So, like, what's yeah. that? The commandant? Commandant. Like... Yeah, you know, he's like the warden. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I guess they, maybe they thought it, they saw it as more of like, you know, I guess you have a warden in a prison, but in a, in a POW camp, there's always a commandant. commandant. It's yeah. a military installation, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess so. But he got to know, know Rudolf Hess very well. They actually, they actually became friends, and they started working on a collaboration on a book about Hess and his peace flight. And I thought he wasn't allowed to talk about that. Well, apparently there's some exception, and maybe it was kind of surreptitious, I think. Mm. Yeah, but uh, when Bird's superiors got wind of this in March 1971, uh, Bird was placed under house arrest. And he was interrogated extensively. He wrote about it later. He was eventually forced to resign. Yeah. And you got to wonder, what's the big secret here? What's the big deal? I mean, I would think that would be a positive thing. If Hess wants to tell his story, what's wrong with that? Um, And Bird eventually did publish a book called The Loneliest Man in the World about Hess. When did the, in the U.S., when did the ruling come down that 
prisoners couldn't make money from anything related to their acts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was a ruling that came down. I think it was a law that was passed. Right, right. The, the point, though, is that I, I just wonder if it was kind of that had set a general precedent among the worldwide audience of, oh, wait, you're a Nazi. You shouldn't be able to, to commemorate yourself in this way. Do you know what I'm saying? I well, mean, you talked about him writing a book. And yeah. It, well, you know. Yeah, potentially about, making some cash off of it. I don't think the plan was, though, to refer, uh, I don't know if they were really going to make any cash out of the deal, but... And People what was don't. He, what was he going to do? Nobody writes a book to write a book. Well, that's true. But what was what was Hess going to spend the money on anyway? He was in prison. He would. He could have bequeathed it to his relatives. Mm -hmm. He could have, in a way, made some money to benefit but, people he knew. But the thing uh, is, is other Nazis... I'm just wondering if that's the were, reason that they, they put the squash on it. There I were other high-ranking Nazis who wrote memoirs after their release from prison. And, Key and, phrase and right they there. they probably made money off of it. After their release from prison. I just, I just think that it would have... I mean, they would have said that, right? If they had arrested Byrd, they would have come out publicly and they would have said, listen... There's this law that we have that he was breaking, or a belief. I don't know that there it's was. I don't know that there was that uh, any law. That's like in the that. U.S. And, only. And, and, is okay, the law, well, but, you know. but I know where you're heading. You know, you that you would say, listen, this guy was helping this war criminal write a book, and we don't think that's right. That's why he arrested him. You wouldn't say, but don't worry about it. Nope, nothing to see here, people. It's fine, and keep it under wraps. It's almost as if you've never watched a governmental body do that kind of weirdness before, Devin. They do that all the time. Though. I they live in America. Explain. We do not do that. Uh, Except for all the time. No, this is America. Okay. Freedom. Eagle exactly. screech. America. Uh. <laughs> all right, Joe, please let's move forward before oh, yeah, she yeah. throws the eagle so at me. We're, talking, we're talking about Bird. Uh, Bird actually did say that he ha. thought he thought <laughs> No, not an eagle, just bird. Just bird. Mm. I'm sorry, we're going way off track here. Okay. Oh yeah, we are. Uh, back to bird though. He he did publicly publicly say that he thought that Hess might have been murdered. Well, again, of course he did. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, uh, two other men who were serving life sentences in in Spandau were released early uh, in the 1950s. Believe it or not, because they were old and sick. So for humanitarian reasons, by the mid 80s, Rudolf Hess was also pretty old and sick. So why wasn't he let go? Again, it seems to me the reason was to keep him quiet about something. Cause I, I can't see any other reason. I mean, all kinds of people were, were saying that he should be let go. He probably when, said when a lot of said bad things go. about British cuisine. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that. It's probably yeah. what it was. Yeah. He said uh, tea was awful. Yeah. There, there, yeah. You can't get away with that. Hurry Baked no. beans for breakfast. What? He missed. Yeah. He mispronounced wit Mitchett and that's probably what it is. So I've already said that I don't think the scandal was Winston Churchill refusing to make peace, but there might've been another reason. What? Yeah. Well, it has been said there were members of the royal family who were sympathetic to Germany. Mm. And it could it be that there actually were discussions between the aristocracy and the Germans that the, that the British Secret Service hadn't been aware of until after the fact, perhaps? Or maybe even at the time. I mean, Hess was, it, it, Hess was knowledgeable about these things. And depending on what was said and who said it, um, that might be a secret worth keeping. I, I can't think of any other reason to keep this guy locked up for all these years. But then why? And that's a reason to kill him if he was about to get let out. Oh, I don't know. I, I really, I understand the fear of scandal and embarrassment, but I, 
I also just wonder how much credence people are going to give to a convicted Nazi war criminal. Mm-hmm. He was not most of, of his life in jail. And he was not a convicted war criminal. Yeah, he was. No, he was convicted of crimes against peace, but he was, he was exonerated. Okay, a convicted peace convicted criminal. War, he was not convicted of war crimes or crimes against humanity. Okay. But in everybody's yeah. mind, he's a war criminal. He I spent guess. 40-some years in Spandau. He's a friggin' war criminal. He's a close general, personal friend of Hitler. In the general population's mind. Yeah. So he is so easy to discredit. I mean, I, mm-hmm. that's... It yeah. doesn't make sense. I also, I also guess I don't know what the why you would murder him instead of just saying, "Hey Russians, y'all just keep saying no." Yeah, and you we'll could do get, that. we'll get, we owe you two big favors. It could have been right. Yeah. I mean, why would you not just? Yeah, I, but I, again, I'm, I'm still, I still honestly wonder. I'm not saying I'm sure he was murdered, but I still honestly wondered what it was that they didn't want Hess talking about. What it was that he knew that they didn't want the world totally. to find out about. Totally. Based yeah. on what Devin said, it's that British used the term y'all. Yeah, it could have been that. I don't know. But but it seems strange because, um, you know, in the, in the aftermath of World War II, um, there's historians out there, there's journalists, there's all kinds of people who want to know to want to sort out the story of what happened. They want to talk to as many people as they can to Absolutely. find out the entire history of World War II. And this guy had some interesting stuff to tell us all. Yeah. And but he was uh, he was gagged. He couldn't say a word. The, you know. So this just just kind of dawned on me, and I wonder if maybe this is the reason, if indeed he was killed. Mm-hmm. What happened to Spandau after he died? They tore it down. They tore it down. Yeah. Why? Well, some people think that they tore it down just to conceal the the, the evidence of the crime, which I don't believe. But okay. no, they, they they tore it down because they didn't want it to become a neo-Nazi shrine. Exactly. Yeah. So that is one of the things that I suddenly I'm like, wait a minute, because that that movement had been gaining traction for a while at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. then, you know, it was on the rise again, and it could have been that. He would have been hailed as some kind of martyr or messiah or saint or, or whatever. No, no, no. So, so it, that no. could have been a, 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 a serious fear. Well, so, but the, what, why, does, why do you need to keep him gagged? If he when... comes out and anything he says, these people are going to get a hold of mm-hmm. and latch on to and take as a motivation, I could see that as a, as a giant fear for the Germans alone, because the German government at in the 80s was really combating this, this neo-Nazi movement that was happening. So well, I could see where they would be concerned about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it popped in my head. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right or wrong, I could suddenly, eh, maybe. Uh, I don't, they, but they didn't, again, they didn't try to stop any other former high-ranking Nazis, like, again, Albert Speer, etc., from publishing their memoirs. I almost wonder if that would be a good argument for suicide, though. If Hess was really not, he didn't have that really warlike nature in him. He didn't have that hate. So His conviction was to the party, him. not to the things the party did. Well, or to the you know kind of we're gonna make this world great part of the party, not the like and also kill a bunch of people part of and the enslave party. the others. You know, and yeah. that maybe he did. You know, maybe somebody did say, "Oh yeah, there's this." you know, neo-Nazi resurrection and it's going to be great when you get out, you know, Mm. this is going to happen. Maybe he thought, oh my God, this is what I 
maybe he had a realization. Maybe uh, you have that self-realization. His legacy of, was not what he wanted it to well, be. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't have to be that way, though. I mean, he could have... have to If they be, came but... to him and said, hey, address our next rally, dude, he could have just said, screw you. I don't support you people at all. Look look how things turned out. But I know? don't know that that he necessarily... He wasn't bound, you know? And, and I'm sure under the terms of his release, he would have been required to not do not any neo-Nazi activities. Sure. I and, do, no, but I think that, you know, I think... There's there's that chance of having that reflective moment mm. of somebody saying it's so great you're gonna get out and all these people are here to support you and this is what they believe and for you to ha- uh-huh. have that moment of realization of oh, oh my god this is my legacy well yeah but it didn't have to be that way it didn't have to they be were, but they you're were also gonna, 93 years old and like they were probably not going to announce to the world so so that he could have a, a big you know, reception committee outside sure. the prison Absolutely. waiting for him. Yeah. You know? But they probably would have been yeah. quiet about it. But uh, This is very yeah. cynical. I have a question. How soon after he died did they get did, rid of the... Did they bury him? No, the prison. Oh, the prison? Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure exactly it's when it was torn down. Not, it, yeah, it was, it was pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as if 10 years later they finally got around to tearing the thing down. Mm-hmm. It's kind of too bad. It was it was a cool old building. I mean, yeah. it was like kind of castle-like. It was, a, it was And so it's kind of a shame. But um, I'm, This is going to sound really horrible. Yeah. Um, and I almost wonder if they just needed to tear it down. It might have been they wanted the real estate, too. Oh, well, it no, I been, think that it I, I don't disagree with that. It, it's, yeah. We just needed to tear this thing down. And there's this guy who has lived for way longer than we <laughs> ever thought he would live. Yeah. So we just got to get rid of him. Uh, they, they really spent a ton of money keeping one guy locked up they for all really those years. They, they, yeah, I yeah. mean, so I almost I wonder. I know that the sounds really that horrible. Terrible. Yeah. I know it sounds horrible and cynical, and I'm really, really sorry. But I almost wonder if they just thought... This guy's got to go. We need to, bull, you know, the maybe bulldozers are here. It, maybe it was real estate developers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it could have been. <laughs> real estate developers are the ones that killed him. If yeah. this was Portland, I would absolutely say yes. Yeah, they hundred percent. They, they dressed in military uniforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they us. were Remax agents. Yeah, yeah. That's, no, uh, but I mean, that's I, possible. I, I guess you I know mean, who would have thought when you locked a dude up that he would live for that much longer. Yeah, yeah. He you was know? a relatively young man, and he was just live that's a long the thing. time. He was he was young. I mean, he was only a couple of years older than I am now. Yeah, yeah. So then, it that is a very young age to get locked up. Yeah, That's, yeah. I and know. all of the rest of his people had been released in the like sixties, right? Twenty years ago. Yeah. Some of them, some and so they were, probably just yeah. assumed, all right, this guy's gonna be dead in a couple of years. It'll be fine. And then you know, twenty <laughs> years on, they're thinking. Oh man! I know we God. can't afford this. Maybe that was it. We're just sick of this, and we want to get know. rid of the guy. But, I don't know. Uh, it's crazy. But um, uh, I, and speaking of shrines, his, uh, his his body was buried in the family cemetery, and I can't remember the name of the town in Germany. It's somewhere in Bavaria, I think. Uh, and it unfortunately became kind of a shrine for for neo Nazis who would have annual gatherings there at his grave, and so. Alas, the government um, dug up the grave and mm. burned the body and scattered the ashes. I guess that's yeah. just upsetting because it doesn't feel like what he wanted. You what, know, to be burned. You mean no to be, to be cremated? Oh, to, no, oh, to have those neo Nazis. Yeah, come yeah. He probably you know, think about the neo Nazis. It's frankly, I don't know. No, I don't really know much about these guys. I suspect that uh, it's not even so much about politics or the socialism or, or anything. I think it's just about anti semitism. It's about yeah. racism. Yes, it's about which that. is not what the Nazi Party was started for. And I, yeah. I agree. Well, they were they were racist, but that's not. That wasn't the whole thing with them. But they were racist later. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there was. 
it's a uh, it's based on a very common sentiment of if they weren't here I'd do better mm-hmm. but no matter what that that people is there's always one group saying if you weren't here it'd be better for us I oh, mean yeah. that that's you kind see that of everywhere the, in the yeah, world but that was ki- that was the very mm. I'm going to say naive beginning of the racism in the Nazi party and then it escalated to a horrible level and we can all agree on yeah that. oh yeah but well, the, and so I agree that he probably was it, it is terrible because it wasn't like he was like yeah I want a bunch of drunk skinheads on my grave no nah, I'm sure he so the poor guy that. really yeah. I don't think he would have cared for that at all he yeah. got he got the short um, end of the stick but the for thing, 40 years and the thing that to remember about the Nazis is it wasn't just because they were racist but it's also because at the time they came into being there was this real huge uh, intellectual fad at loose in the world called the eugenics movement mm-hmm. and which began here in America by the way yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, and great job yeah and then and then you know of course leave it to Hitler and the gang to take this to an industrial scale but they actually thought that they were saving the human race because there are all these inferior people out there and if, if you weed take their genes out of the gene pool mm-hmm. it's gonna make us all better off down the line and so that's where that came from Obviously, eugenics is like, you know, it's, I mean, it's still out there. You still see the Darwin Awards, and there's movies like um, um, Idiocracy, yeah. which, you know, embodies the same ideas. And so there's still lots of people who really believe that. Uh, hopefully, we're not going to, like, you know, see a return to, you know, the Holocaust. I, please, no. Hopefully not. God, but, no. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, enough of that. Do you guys have any, any other done. theories or anything no, like I'm that? I'm totally done. I, yeah. think, I think that Hess was sent by Hitler. And I also think that he didn't kill himself. I think the Chupacabra Cobber did it. Of course you did. Could have been Chupy. Yeah. He is about that right age. Yeah, I think he was sent by Hitler. I think they were both duped by MI6, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's highly possible. I know I obviously don't know, but I given the fact that it was a, for so many years it seemed so important to keep him muzzled. You gotta wonder, and then yep. and then all of a sudden he might be let go. Whoops! Well, I guess it's time for him to commit suicide. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta wonder. Yeah. And I'm not saying I have definitive evidence or anything, but I'm still no. wondering. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, I guess we'll just call that one solved and you know, <laughs> sign off for the week. Totally. You that? Solved by something. Totally. Yeah, yeah, Those historians yeah. don't know what they're talking about. We got it. Ah, uh, damn it! We've got a hundred percent record. That's awesome. Well, hey, I'd, time for a few uh, so a few things that you guys probably want to know about. You probably want to know, do we have a website? <laughs> yeah, we do. It's called thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh, you can download episodes, listen to episodes, check our links. We always put links up for you. And you can also, well, until recently, you could also leave comments. Uh, we, we actually tur- turned off the comments because... Well, some people were getting a little unruly. Turns so I, out the internet is full of anonymous jerks. Yeah, yes. and, I, and I, I apologize because we had some other people who were posting really great, insightful, thoughtful. There was good conversations. There were. And but there was a sad. small group who ruined it for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. sorry, guys, we couldn't police it anymore. Yeah, yeah it's just... So we do yeah. have some other options, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can always go to Facebook. We are on Facebook. Uh, and you can you can like us. You better like us, damn it. And join the group, of course. We have a... a and there's all also, iTunes, you could subscribe and uh, leave us a review, hopefully a good review. And you can also stream us from all kinds of places. Although, I don't know, it seems to me like we get more complaints from people going through streaming services than from anybody else. Uh, yeah, that... unfortunately, that's the streaming service, not us yeah, anymore. Yeah. Anymore. Used to be, but it's not us anymore. Yeah. So if you uh, are having issues, uh, find another streaming service or maybe just, I don't know, go somewhere like our website. I don't yeah. know. Uh, where else? We're on, we're on Twitter. Or we the are. Twitter. The Twitter. The Twitter. Me. Yeah, yeah. And we are we thinking. do twits all the time. Yeah, we do. Thinking sideways. That's without the G. 
Uh, you can also we get the Reddit us. page. Got, That's another place for people who yeah. used to be at the website can mm-hmm. go to. Is we have the yeah, absolutely. the Reddit. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We have and a subreddit. There's a new discussion every time that we post each an episode. episode. Yeah. yeah, which they're you know they're small right now, but go say your thoughts, and those will be really really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we want to hear what you guys think, good or bad, preferably good. And also, if you want to contact us uh, privately, you can always send us an email. We're uh, thinking sideways podcast at gmail.com. So send us an email if you've got any ideas for a mystery or something fun like that. Or if you want to be an expert or you just want to chat. Mm. Chat about the mystery in general, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you happen to know something about one of the mysteries. Uh, I we any, reply yeah. to every single email we get. We, we do. Sometimes we do. they're not as speedy as we want. But, but literally every single email we get, we reply to. Yep. Yeah, or our bot replies. Nope. Somebody, it's no. just us. Okay. We have a Joe bot. Yeah. yeah, we don't have a bot yet, but we will. We will. Uh, oh, and last His name's going to be Justin. Yeah. <laughs> we finally yeah. found a use for that intern. Yeah. Oh, where else? Uh, what else? Also, if you want to support the show, this is totally optional, of course, but there is Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash thinking sideways, and if you want to, you can pledge a certain amount of money per episode. Uh, be aware of that, you know, because yeah. it, it, you get charged that amount for every episode. So if you're giving us 50 bucks, make Don't sure. Do oh, no, you can if you want, but just realize <laughs> that it's going to be every week you're going to yeah. get. Which bucks. is the reason that we have the, sun, the sun, PayPal yeah. option mm-hmm. as well for one-time donation. Or There's we've got that. the merchandise. Which does support the show. Merch. And yeah. you get to also sport some sweet shirts or have a mug yeah. or a nightlight or some Ooh. stickers. Somebody bought yeah. the Mary Celeste shirt. Oh. We have a Mary Celeste shirt? Yep. Yes. You, you saw this. Duh. Okay, yeah, duh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's about it for me. You guys have any last thoughts before we sign off for the week? I got Nazi else. Oh, oh my, my god, god. no. <laughs>